Jonah was a fisherman, and he hated jokes about whales. This fishing season was sure to be fruitful so long as he could keep his head down and his drinking in check. Currently, though, he was on a break. The big ship wouldn't be going out again for a few days, and he had some time to kill. When the other fishermen got home, they didn't want anything to do with the ocean, but Jonah couldn't get enough of it. His coastal fishing boat was small, but the room on board had enough space for everything he needed. A bed, a cooler, a small refrigerator, a hot plate, and a few luxury items. This was his home away from home. When he wasn't on the big boat, he was usually here. There was a bit more to Jonah's connection to the sea than some would suspect. Some of the fishermen knew the story because they were there that night. Others had heard it told by other fishermen. Whoever spun the tale was sure to embellish certain parts. Depending on how much they'd had to drink and who they'd originally heard the tale from, Jonah was painted as either a drunken villain, a hero, or sometimes both. When a crew goes out for weeks on a big fishing boat, they all know that night will come. The night when the liquor flows thick and the waves feel much choppier than they actually are. More often than not, that night turns into those nights. Suffice to say, in order to get anything done, someone always needed to become the voice of reason. It usually wasn't the captain. He'd elect his first mate or someone else to bear the brunt of a ship of hungover sailors. On a trip out 20 years ago, the first night of those nights came. The crew was getting loud and they were starting to have a good time. Cliff, the ship's newest recruit and the man the captain had elected to keep things in order, felt the need to get a handle on things sooner rather than later. Cliff was younger and had little tolerance for drinking. He came from a long line of abusive, drunken fishermen and grew up with the hardships that that life entailed. Cliff made it clear that he intended to be the respectable one who would break his family's cycle of abuse and mistreatment. It's one of the reasons the captain put him in the position he was in. He also felt sorry for Cliff, as did Jonah. He had a bleak outlook on the world from years of neglect and abuse. If there were opportunities to leave the coast and his life behind, Cliff surely would have taken them. But there weren't. In a sense, he was trapped in his dark life. Cliff yelled out as he flicked his cigarette into the water. You bunch of bastards better settle down before I throw the lot of you over the edge. Jonah replied by looking at him and taking a swig from his flask. He walked over to Cliff and leaned on a piece of fishing equipment. Let him be. It's a first trip out for a lot of them. They've heard stories. Let him have tonight. He took another sip from his flask as he stared off across the water. Cliff spat over the edge and looked at Jonah. Easy for you to say. You don't have to deal with them in the morning. Cliff was new to the seas. He'd been out on some one-day and two-day trips, but nothing this long. I'll help you then, Jonah said. Cliff laughed. Ha! You're just like the rest of them. You'll be useless in the morning. Jonah took another swig and wiped his mouth with his sleeve. They need this. You don't know how it gets out here. Without a little fun, they'll... Cliff cut him off. Shut the hell up, you drunken twit. This caught the rest of the sailors' attention, and they turned to look at Cliff. I've heard the stories. You get drunk, you get sloppy, and it affects the pole of fish we bring up in the morning. You'll be done in an hour, or I will be throwing you over. For a while, there was silence. Then the sailors began to drink and be sailors again. They'd continued their rambunctious evening in the main cabin of the boat, drinking, smoking, and telling stories. 
The air was thick with smoke when Cliff walked in. He brushed it aside and took a seat at one of the tables where a few of the men were playing cards. They were drunk, but understood that Cliff was in no mood for fun. They stopped talking and continued to play their hands in silence. The rest of the room kept on with their activities, not seeming to notice Cliff. Jonah walked over and put a hand on Cliff's shoulder. I see you've decided to join us. Cliff's eye twitched. He slammed his fist on the table, rattling everything that sat on top of it. Exhaling smoke, he put his cigarette out on the pile of cards that sat in the middle of the players. Then he flipped the table. Cards, bottles, and ashtrays smashed onto the floor. The sailors that were sitting there stood up, along with the other half of the room. It was so silent, you could hear the waves outside the cabin hitting the side of the boat. Jonas said softly, Calm down, Cliff. They're only letting off some steam. Cliff elbowed Jonah in the stomach. Jonah doubled over and lurched backward. The entire crew started yelling. A few of them threw their bottles at Cliff, and at least three of them were headed his way across the cabin. Before they made it to him, Cliff pulled a large fishing knife from the leather sheath on his belt. He waved it in front of him violently, and they stopped in their tracks. He yelled out, I told you one fucking hour. Jonah, recovering from the blow Cliff had dealt, looked up and saw the knife. He'd been out at sea for many years. He'd seen lots of things and knew how situations would usually play out amongst the crew. Spending weeks at sea can do something to you. It can make you do things you ordinarily wouldn't if you weren't used to it. One of the sailors rushed at Cliff. Cliff slashed at him with his knife, more to scare him than actually cut him. The sailor pushed Cliff, and he fell sideways. Cliff's blade slipped, and he cut the palm of his own hand. Blood spilled onto the floor and dripped from the blade. Jonah knew where this was headed, and knew that if he didn't act fast, someone was going to get stabbed, or worse. There was an old fishing net hanging on the wall. The crew hadn't used it in years, and it had become more of a decoration than anything actually functional. Jonah ripped it off the wall and flung it over Cliff from behind. He pulled it, and Cliff fell face first onto the floor. Most of the crew started to laugh, and a few of them scrambled to Jonah's side. Cliff was stabbing at the net, screaming and flailing. You son of a bitch, when I get out of here, I'll gut you. I'll gut you and everyone else on this fucking boat. Jonah held tight to the end of the net, keeping Cliff from getting loose. He slipped the net's end closed like a drawstring and began to pull it across the floor through the broken glass and cigarette butts. He looked over his shoulder as he made his way to the cabin door and said, Bring me something to patch his hand up. I'll keep an eye on him and make sure he doesn't squirm loose. Another round of laughter rang out from the crew. A couple of you guys, come out here with me. Two of the sailors ran over and helped Jonah drag the netted man the rest of the way to the deck. As they pulled him out, he continued to yell and threaten them. The arm holding the blade was flailing wildly, cutting holes in the net. One of the men kicked Cliff. You asshole, you took things too far. Let him be, Jonah said. C's got the best of him. He needs to calm down. Just then, Cliff's blade tore a large, gaping hole in the net. One of the men sprang on top of him and tried to pull the knife from his hand. Cliff couldn't see, but he was swinging it wildly in the sailor's direction. The knife almost sliced the man's arm. He screamed and jumped up from the net. Cliff tore the net open and emerged like an angry caterpillar from his cocoon. His knife glinted in the moonlight. Jonah and the other two men were standing with their backs to the edge of the boat. 
the sea sloshed behind them. Cliff's eyes looked black in the dark. Although the night dulled his expression, he was undoubtedly furious. He was moving slowly towards them. The other men pulled their fishing knives from their sheaths. Jonah, although he knew the situation was escalating, tried to appear calm and collected. He knew that when tensions were high on the water, the best thing a sailor could do was stay calm. Blowing out his cigarette smoke, he said, Put your knives away, boys. If we need to, we can fight. Like men. But no knives. Cliff and the three sailors stood in silence for a moment. The sound of the waves hitting the boat mingled with the chatter of the other sailors in the main cabin. The glint of the blades they had drawn showed like the crests of the moonlit waves surrounding them. Cliff jumped forward, his blade aimed at Jonah. Jonah wasn't the youngest of the sailors, but his wits were still fully intact. Your reflexes had to stay sharp on the seas if you planned to keep all of your appendages. Before Cliff's blade fell, Jonah dropped to the deck. Cliff's shins slammed into Jonah's shoulder and back, and he toppled over the side of the boat into the water below. The other two sailors rushed to the edge and looked down into the water. They couldn't see or hear Cliff. Neither could Jonah. The black waters seemed to have swallowed him whole. Jonah ran to the boat's bridge and stopped the engine. The captain emerged from his sleeping quarters, disheveled and confused. What the hell are you doing, Jonah? This isn't... Jonah cut him off. Cliff fell over, and we don't see him. Jonah and the captain, still in his nightclothes, rushed to the deck of the boat and shined a small spotlight into the water. All they could see were dark waves. The boat waited there until morning, but when it came, the sailors saw nothing. Just calm, empty waters. Jonah and the two sailors were the only ones who knew the true details of that night. The stories that emerged were lined with both valiant heroism and devious intentions. The truth doesn't usually make for an entertaining barstool or fireside story, but the truth ate away at Jonah. At first, he didn't really think too much about it. Cliff had been in the wrong to do what he'd done, and although Jonah didn't think he deserved to die, he tried to let things slip from his memory. But after a few months, he couldn't shake the thought of the situation from his mind. Cliff was new to the long trips, but he wasn't a stranger to the ocean. He wasn't a fresh sailor that didn't know how to handle the open waters. And yet, they swallowed him whole in one bite. Jonah had seen other men fall over. It was part of the job. But that was the first time he'd seen someone not make it back on board. It was the first time for him someone had gone missing in the sea. That's what stuck in his mind. He thought about it all the time. It was unnerving. Every time he was on the sea, there was a part of him that wanted to see Cliff floating out there. Alive or dead, he'd have answers. The mystery of it would be over and he could rest easy. If the ocean had some kind of reason for protecting him and his crew from Cliff's madness and irrational anger, why did it leave them with unanswered questions? If killing Cliff was an act of protection, why not have sharks tear him to shreds or topple waves over him? drowning him in plain sight. Why did there have to be an element of unanswered mystery to its protection, and why did Cliff have to die? Couldn't he have just been taught a lesson? That's what plagued Jonah's mind still, twenty years later. The unanswered questions lingered in his head like an unrelenting storm. He respected and trusted the sea, but it also felt like a friend who carried a dark secret.
Each passing year after the incident felt different. The vibrance of sunsets became muted. Nights seemed to hold fewer stars. Yields of fish numbered less and less. The quality of the fish diminished, as if there was a disease plaguing the sea. Once crystal-clear waters became murky in places, and the morale of crews on long fishing trips would start to decline earlier and earlier. Jonah thought about these things as he sat on his boat. His feet were kicked up on an old crate, and his fishing pole was mounted next to him in a holder that freed his hands. He didn't care if he got many bites that day. His cooler was already almost full, and he wasn't making much of an effort to check the bait on his hook. The bottle of rum he'd been nursing was a quarter of the way gone, and in a few hours, the sun would be setting. He took a long drag from his cigarette as he stared off across the water. In a few days, he'd be back on the big boat. Just then, the line on his mounted fishing pole started to spin very quickly. Jonah sat up, grabbed his pole, and stopped the line from spinning out. Whatever was on the other end wasn't necessarily big, but it was fierce. After some time of pulling and struggling to reel the thing in, Jonah could tell it was close. He was sweating now and could see the fish flopping near the surface of the water. Taking care to make sure his straps were in place, he mounted the pole back in its holder. He'd need his net to scoop the fish up and onto the boat. After a few more reels, the fish broke the surface of the water and was dangling off the line of the pole, thrashing. Jonah reeled it up to the edge of the boat and netted it. When he pulled it on board and got a closer look, it didn't look like any fish he'd ever seen before. It was smaller than he expected for the fight it had put up. Most of the time, a fish's eyes looked panicked or sporadic when it got pulled from the water. The eyes of this one seemed to be looking directly at him. They were massive and bright pink with borders of vibrant orange. The fins that ran along its back were sharp, and the webbing between them held a swirling pattern that seemed to move and twist with its gasping breaths. Its scales looked translucent. They were partially reflecting the light of the now setting sun, but Jonah could see through them to the fish's pulsing organs. Jonah kept a decent-sized basin of water on the deck of his boat that he'd put his catches in while he prepared his freezer. It was an old water trough for animals that he'd bought from a farmer some years ago. He flipped the net over the trough, and the strange fish dunked into the water. It was oddly calm, most of the fish he dropped in would swim back and forth, tinging against the metal sides. This one just sat there, looking content with its current situation. Its eyes moved, and it looked up at him. The pupils of the fish were long and black. As Jonah looked into them, his peripheries blurred, and his field of vision shrank to a tunnel. The sound of the wind and waves around Jonah ceased to exist. It was just him and the fish. A seagull that had landed on the edge of his boat cawed and broke Jonah's gaze on the fish. Jonah reached down and took a generous swig from his bottle of rum. He knew that there were a lot of types of fish in the sea, ones that he hadn't seen and probably thousands he'd never see. This one must have been one of the rare unseen ones. It was too majestic to keep as a trophy, and he didn't really need to pack another one into his freezer. This one had been a fun catch, but he figured he'd let it go in the morning. The sea was calm that night. Jonah laid in his cabin with the windows open and a cool breeze flowed in. He wasn't able to sleep. 
The gnawing mystery of Cliff's disappearance was on his mind, and he couldn't stop thinking about the strange fish that sat in the basin on the deck. He got up, pushed open the door of his cabin, and stepped outside. The skies were clear and the moon was full, just like that night so many years ago. Jonah walked over to the water basin and looked down at the fish. To his shock, it was glowing, a faint blue. He knew about bioluminescent fish, but also knew that they lived far down in the ocean, deeper than his pole's line was capable of going. The fish was swimming along the perimeter of the basin, slowly. Swirling patterns of blue began to form from its tail and float in the water. The blue of the patterns became bright and vibrant. As the fish swam, its pace quickened. Jonah watched the fish, again hypnotized by it. Over and over it swam along the edge, faster and faster. The water became blue with each lap it took around the basin. The blue spread to the middle of the water, and the fish could no longer be seen beneath its surface. Jonah stared into the glowing, swirling pool of blue. Fog was forming on its surface, and soon it completely covered it. Its glow was lighting up the entire deck of the boat in the darkness. Jonah stared in, trying to see beyond the veil of fog, but all he saw was the light of the vibrant blue. Like before, when he stared into the fish's eyes, everything around him began to blur. All he could see was the basin and the light that was coming from it. It was calling to him, telling him to climb in, beckoning him to the blue water. Jonah knelt at the edge of the trough, the blue light reflecting in his eyes. He braced his hands on the side of the trough, took a deep breath, and plunged his head into the water. Before he had time to resist, the water pulled the rest of his body in. Jonah felt like he was being thrust through a tube. Water was rushing past all around him. He tried to open his eyes, but the rush of the salty water burned and kept him from doing so. It was warm. He could tell that the water held the vibrant color of the swirls the fish had made, bright and luminous. A few moments passed and the light began to fade. The water got colder. Whatever force was propelling Jonah along was slowing down. Eventually, it came to a stop and Jonah found himself submerged in cold, dark water. Instinctively, he began to swim in the direction that felt like up. He was running out of breath, and the cold water was stripping the energy from his muscles. Just as he was losing hope and the pressure of death closed in around him, he broke the surface of the water. Jonah was gasping for air and working to keep himself afloat with all of his strength. He looked around frantically for his boat. For a moment, he thought maybe he had more to drink than he remembered, and he stumbled off the edge. He turned in the water, and not too far from him, he saw a boat much larger than his, floating towards him in the moonlight. His boat or not, if he planned to survive, he'd have to get to it. He started to swim towards the vessel, planning to catch the side of it if he could. As he got closer and could make out more details, he stopped. This was the boat that Cliff fell from all those years ago. It couldn't be, he thought. But there it was, gliding in the moonlight. Maybe it just looks like that boat, he thought. Most fishing boats have their names painted on the sides, but it was too dark to see this one's. That old boat or not, Jonah kept swimming. Eventually, with more effort than he thought he would be able to muster, he got close to the boat and held on to a small ring that dangled from the side. He knew it was probably a futile attempt, but he yelled, Hey, 
Man overboard. There was no reply. Jonah tried again, but still, there was no answer. Then he could hear a commotion, sailors yelling at each other on board from above. Things seemed to escalate, and then there was a splash in the water next to Jonah. This was all too familiar to him, the other side of a scene that had replayed countless times in his head. He didn't need to look to know who had fallen into the water. Jonah let go of the ring he was holding on to. Cliff surfaced and looked over at him. It was dark, but Jonah could see the rage on his face. Even after falling from the boat, he held on to his knife. It bobbed up and down as he swam towards Jonah. He started to scream a slew of insults as he swam, but they were cut off. In the blink of an eye, Cliff's head was pulled under the water. Jonah heard the motor of the boat's engine grind to a halt behind him. He called out, Cliff! Just then, the churning black water below him started to glow pink. It was faint at first, but became bright very quickly. Jonah could feel a swell of pressure from beneath him. Something was coming from the depths of the sea. He looked down and saw its massive pink glowing eyes moments before it reached the surface of the water. The upward rush stopped, and the pink eyes sat on the water's surface in the distance in front of him. Pink and lidless, they flicked in all directions. They were massive and illuminated the ocean water all around them, glinting off the waves. This has to be some kind of whale, Jonah thought. He started to swim in the opposite direction. As he swam, he could see an object moving towards him. It was some kind of wall moving through the water. He turned and in a panic began to swim back towards the eyes. A similar wall was jutting from the water, moving towards him from that direction as well. The mouth of the creature was closing in around him. He realized that soon he'd be eaten alive. Without many options and seeing the mouth close around him, he took the deepest breath he could. Jonah looked into the sky. Stars speckled every inch of it, and the full moon shone bright and beautiful. The mouth of the creature closed in around him. He was floating in a pool of sea that would soon be consumed by the thing. His view of the night sky slowly narrowed above him, and slowly the moon was reduced to a sliver. Then he was in darkness. He exhaled the breath he'd been holding. It was quiet and oddly peaceful, the calm before the storm. The water below him started churning downward. Again, he took a massive breath. Jonah was sucked down into the water, like before when he went through the trough on his boat. Water was rushing all around him. The suction was intense. He reached out and felt some kind of flesh. It was the innards of the creature. It felt like it was getting closer. Then he realized that the channel he was moving through was getting narrower. The water all around him was getting warmer, too. Jonah plugged his nose in an effort to keep himself from drowning in the rushing water. He wasn't sure if the breath he'd taken would be enough to make it through this situation. Jonah hoped there was a light at the end of this warm, dark tunnel. His head felt light, and he was losing his grip on his nostrils. Water started to flow in. Just then, Jonah shot through a small opening, slightly wider than his body. He began to cough up water as he flew through the air. A warm, spongy surface was his landing pad. He was dazed, gasping for air and trying to cough up the rest of the water that had rushed up his nose. By this point, He'd been in the water for some time. He felt pruny and waterlogged. 
Jonah didn't expect to land anywhere. The thought of being digested by a massive fish was one that he assumed would be his last. Laying on his side and bracing himself on his elbows, Jonah opened his eyes. He expected to see nothing, just darkness. But he didn't. To his surprise, sprinkled throughout the cavity he was now in, were many small glowing stones attached to the walls. They mirrored the night sky he was under when he was floating in the sea. The walls were moving, no doubt, with the breath of the creature he was inside of. They were slimy and covered in pulsing veins that wove around the shimmering stones. He stood and realized his boots had been sucked off his feet. Under his bare feet, he could feel bumpy, wiggling flesh. It was stable enough to stand on, but slid around under the weight of his body. It was covered in mucus and slippery. Sprouting from the edges of the cavity, where the sides met the floor, were bioluminescent, fungus-looking pieces of coral. Their light pulsed and changed color in sync with the breathing of the creature. A low bellow sounded, and the deep tone resonated through the cavity. Along the sides of this main chamber, Jonah saw archways that seemed to lead away to winding, fleshy corridors. There were holes in the walls above him that were dripping water, smaller versions of the hole he had been shot out of. Water was trickling out of the hole he came from, and as he stared up at it, he thought he could hear some kind of clicking. The noise got louder, and all at once, things began to pour from the hole, up the walls and all around him. He couldn't tell exactly what they were in the dark, but they looked like crabs or spiders. They moved over the stones, and as more light shone on them, Jonah could see that they were covered in barnacles and moss. They were some kind of swarm of living seabed coral. Their appendages tinked against the illuminated stones. They sounded like a drizzle of rain on a tin roof. There were hundreds of them. Some were the size of mice, others the size of small cats. Jonah was frozen for a moment, shocked by the strange beauty and horror of his situation. He looked around and picked a corridor. Then he ran through the blanket of coral crab things, kicking them this way and that. His bare feet were pinched a few times and they hurt to step on, but he had to keep moving. As he ran through his chosen archway, they followed him. It was hard to run on the slime-covered fleshy floor, but to Jonah's surprise, the floor was beginning to solidify. Wooden boards began to appear below. At first, they were fused with the floor meat into a wiggling, amorphous solid, but then they became completely solid, creaking boards. There were less glittering stones lining the walls now, too, and up ahead, Jonah could see a mounted torch and a lantern on either side of the corridor. He looked left and right and realized that the walls were beginning to take a different shape. They were becoming solid, and as he ran, they, too, changed to wooden planks. The creatures were nipping at his heels as he pulled the mounted torch from the wall. They were loud now on the planks of the floor and walls. He spun around with the torch, and the creatures recoiled. They hissed and pulled themselves onto their hind legs. In the light of the torch, Jonah could see their claws clicking together. Many of them had moving rows of teeth that were chattering and ticking against each other. Some of them had tentacles he hadn't noticed in the darkness that were wiggling and swirling in the air. Jonah yelled out. It echoed through the corridor. He swung the torch in front of him and the things recoiled again. Then he noticed something else in the torchlight. 
a door on the wall next to him. It was the same color as the walls and made of the same wood, something he would have run right past had he not stopped to pick up the torch. The creatures were starting to move up the walls further, slinking closer to him again. Jonah grabbed the lantern from the other wall and threw it at the mob of creatures. They squealed and screamed as the glass shattered and the lantern's fiery oil flung across their ranks. Jonah rushed to the door and slipped inside, careful and quickly, so none of the things could follow him. One of the things did follow him, though. A small one. It screamed and sizzled as it ran, flaming into the darkness of the new chamber Jonah found himself in. This new place had stones blanketing the walls, similar to the ones he'd seen before, but much more dim. Their soft light didn't cut through the darkness of the chamber. It only created small halos around each stone. Jonah stared at the tapestry of faint, flickering lights. They moved with the undulation of the walls and in rhythm with the breathing of the thing he was inside of. All at once, the glow of the stones became brighter, and they began to illuminate the entire chamber. More stones along the floor flickered on, and light began to emanate from barnacle fungus similar to the ones he saw when he was spat out into the first cavity. There was a fragrance in the air. It was a mixture of earth, sea, and rot. Jonah was familiar with some of the scent. It was similar to the chum fishermen dump into the water to attract fish, only this smell was older and much more foul. The stones on the walls and ceiling got bright enough for Jonah to make out the rest of the chamber. It was huge. Mossy ropes hung from the ceiling. Dangling from them were bones. Some appeared to be from large fish. Some from animals he couldn't quite identify, and some of them were human. The ropes were knotted through them, and the bones swung and clunked together with the swaying of the chamber. Sprinkled along the walls, between the glowing stones, were tentacles. They were long and dripping with mucus. Some of them flailed violently while others twisted in the air slowly. To Jonah, this new chamber appeared to be a combination of organic and man-made materials, a fusion of old sailor tales and dark sea shanties combined into one wicked abomination. Along the walls of the chamber, there were holes, similar to the one Jonah came through. Only the ones in this room of the creature were lined with teeth and had many eyes that blinked and changed direction as they flipped open and closed. These holes had tangled tentacles of their own that surrounded their perimeter. Some of the tentacles that fell from the ceiling reached the floor and flopped, groping at their surroundings. Jonah was standing on a piece of wood that was jutting from a mound of bulbous flesh. There were more planks that created steps downward on the mound to a floor of gnarled, fleshy planks below. In the center of the floor, there was a cylinder of stones. Jonah wasn't sure, but to him, in the pulsing light of the space, it looked like a well. He descended the staircase of broken, slippery planks below. Green and pink pus burst from the fluid-filled sacks that lined the path. The fluid sizzled and ate away at the planks as he went. Jonah was careful to avoid them. When he reached the bottom, the chamber began to quake. The lights that lined his surroundings began to flicker many different colors. They flashed with an intensity that was disorienting to Jonah. Then they stopped and strobed slowly with a bright white light. The quaking had stopped as well. Jutting fish spines and fins opened and closed along his path. 
and he was careful to avoid them so his feet weren't slashed open. As Jonah looked around at the floor and the walls of the chamber, he could see human faces. They were twisted and distorted. Some of them were merging with others and fusing into blobs. They were all screaming and moaning from behind a thin, translucent membrane, a clear, stretching piece of tissue. Their eyes glowed like the stones around them. Jonah had never imagined such horrors. He was questioning his sanity and wondered if he was experiencing an incredibly vivid nightmare. Something was pulling him closer to the well in the middle of the room, though. He could sense that the riddles that plagued his mind for so many years could be answered here. Just then the well began to overflow with a black, bubbling liquid. It was steaming and reeked of death. There were small, rotting bones and pieces of flesh sprinkled throughout it. It flowed onto the floor and swirled around Jonah's feet. Then something else started to emerge. A tall figure rose from the well, dripping with the noxious fluid. It looked human-esque in nature, but had many appendages of varying lengths. Arms stuck out from the front, and short legs mingled with small ones. Tentacles writhed and flipped between the limbs. The thing also had fish bones protruding from it. A ribcage of chipped, broken bone fragments cradled its back, and strings of moss and decaying tissue wrapped all around it. The head of the creature looked like a massive red fish eye. All at once, the voices of the chamber rose in a haunting crescendo, and the black pupil of the creature began to open. The face inside of the pupil belonged to Cliff. It was malformed, and it had been many years, but that face stayed in Jonah's mind. He thought about it often. Jonah called out, Cliff? Cliff's eyes were closed, but slowly they opened. They were black, and more of the fluid he emerged from was pouring out of them. He began to speak in a guttural, strained tone. Isn't it beautiful, Jonah? Jonah stepped out of the black liquid and onto an elevated plank nearby. What happened to you, Cliff? he asked. Cliff oozed down the side of the well like the liquid around him and stood not far from Jonah. He spoke again. There are many filters in this world that manage balance. Filters that cleanse cycles and reform energies. When I was brought here, I saw the truth. Balance is a fallacy. I stopped this filter. Look at how beautiful things have become here. I used to yearn to change the seemingly inevitable. And now I have. I've turned this filter to darkness. And soon others will follow. The light of the world will be swallowed up. Jonah looked around him for a moment and then back up at Cliff. He asked, Why? Why would you do this? Cliff laughed. Isn't it obvious, Jonah? This is how the cycle is broken. This is how things change. The filter stops and we all become something new. Something different than what we were. The voices of the tormented creatures around them shrieked. Jonah was grappling mentally with the scene that had unfolded around him. He was deep in the decaying belly of a celestial god-fish thing, and the shipmate he'd lost years ago 
had formed in front of him as some kind of unholy demon, he really wanted a cigarette. At this point, he was tired and figured he was either dreaming or hallucinating from some poison the bioluminescent fish he'd caught had stung him with. There's a chance this is all real, though, he thought. Whether it was a dream or real, he felt inclined to speak from his heart. He cleared his throat and said, There's a lot of people you can blame sometimes when you think about who's hurt you in the past. We don't ever fully recover, and sometimes we don't see that. We can't control what was said and what was done to us, but we can control what we do. Cliff inched closer to Jonah. His limbs were dangling and his tentacles were swirling. Jonah continued, Let's say you stop this thing, this filter, for good. And then they all stop. And then we just sit in the dark, forever. No light, no sea, no fish, nothing. Then who wins, Cliff? What have you changed? You just end up picking up right where the ones before you left off. That doesn't sound like breaking any kind of cycle to me. Cliff stopped moving toward Jonah. He closed his black eyes, and when he opened them, they looked as they had before all of this had happened. Human. Only now, instead of being sad and broken, they held a combination of remorse and hope. He looked around the chamber and then back at Jonah and said, What have I done? I'm sorry. Cliff's blanket of black fluid, appendages, bones fisheye, and everything else melted away from him and joined the rippling pool on the floor. The bones hanging from the ceiling started to sway and clank together violently. Many of the bulbous pods that surrounded the chamber began to pop. The faces behind the membranes around them were screaming. Fluid gushed out as the membranes split open. All of the tentacles that lined the ceiling and walls were flipping wildly. The chamber was shaking, and every inch of it seemed to be moving. Black fluid gushed from the well like a geyser and coated everything around it. The fluid added to the churning pool that was already on the floor. Cliff took a deep breath, looked at Jonah, and said, Thank you. Thank you, Jonah. I was lost. The chamber was filling up very quickly. Soon, the two sailors were swimming in the black, putrid bile that rushed from the well. It was all happening so fast, Jonah didn't have time to think about getting back to the door he'd come from. Even if he could, the pressure of the liquid would have kept him from opening it. Tentacles were falling from the ceiling and thrashing about in the black liquid. Jonah could see the malformed human entities from behind the membranes floating all around him, gasping for air. The liquid pushed Jonah and Cliff all the way to the top of the chamber. They both took a deep breath. Then they saw nothing. Just black. They heard the gushing and swirling of the liquid all around them. Then they felt it. The suction of the well, pulling everything into it. There was no escape from its pull. Jonah and Cliff swirled around the chamber amongst the writhing nautical nightmares, humanoid abominations, and grotesque rotten fluid. And just as a bathtub swirls its final drops down the drain, they were sucked into the well, along with everything else in the chamber. The sailors shot through the well, 
It felt like a tube that was pushing them with immense pressure. Then, the pressure stopped. They had come out the other side of the filter. It was cold and dark. Jonah tried to open his eyes, but they burned. They were in the sea again. Just before he ran out of breath, he broke the surface of the water. Something felt different to him. He felt different. Jonah looked over and saw Cliff bobbing in the water. Behind him was their boat, the one from twenty years ago. The men swam to it, and Jonah yelled for help. The sailors on board threw down a rope ladder, and they climbed up. The entire crew was standing around them, and the captain patted Jonah on the back. I didn't even see you jump in. You found him. Jonah looked over at Cliff. Yeah, I found him. He looked back at the captain. Can we get some time to talk about this, man to man? His eyes shot back at Cliff. The captain and the rest of the crew knew what that meant. They were going to sort out their differences, one way or another. Jonah assured the captain, he won't be going over the edge again. Promise. The crew chuckled and the captain replied, all right then. Cliff looked weary when he turned and smiled at Jonah. In the years that followed, Jonah took Cliff under his wing. He didn't drink so much, and Cliff learned the value of sailors letting off steam when they needed to. Jonah taught him everything he knew about being a sailor, and about being a man. In time, Cliff began to understand that the anchors of his past were keeping him from sailing where he needed to go, and he learned how to navigate through the darkness without becoming a part of it. Thank you so much for listening to this story. I didn't really know where it was headed when I started writing it, honestly, and a lot of things kind of surfaced and happened that I didn't really anticipate, but I'm really happy with how that one turned out, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you'd like to support the podcast, consider leaving a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash strangewhispers where I share early access to podcasts and early access to stories and I will very soon be starting to share exclusive stories that will only be available there as well. However you support, I can't thank you enough. In whatever capacity you make things, whether you're an artist, a sculptor, a musician, a writer, a storyteller, um... Do it with all of your heart, and really don't be afraid to be just be raw and real and expressive with whatever you're doing. I'll see you all for the next story, and until then, keep creating. Yeah.